Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. So last weekend, Pastor Raul started with a series that we're now doing on parables. The parables of Jesus, but parables in general. And this week, I'm going to continue that. And uh, if you are a note taker, any, any note takers in this room? Anybody still take notes? They, oh, whoa, I love it. Okay, that just made my day. Okay, so if you're a note taker and you want to know what the title of the message is, the, the message is simply this. It starts with a question. What soil are you? What soil are you? And uh, from there, planting good seed in good soil. So I'm going to continue the series that Pastor Raul started. And I, I want to start out by saying, uh, how many of you read the Bible on a regular basis? Notice I didn't say daily because I don't want to trap anyone. But how many of you read the Bible on a regular basis? Okay, okay. How many of you consider yourself a follower, follower of Jesus, a Christian? Okay, so if more hands came up with the second question than the first question, that's a problem, right? Because here's the reality. We can't even know what we say we believe or who we believe in if we're not students of Scripture. So every believer should be a student of Scripture. Now, how you go about doing that, that's between you and the Lord. Whether it's reading straight from the Bible or an app on your phone or listening to the Bible, you know, uh, digitally, or however you go about understanding and listening to the Bible or learning about the Bible, it's really important that you regularly be getting Scripture into you. But if you spend very much time in the Bible, especially in the New Testament Gospels, and the Gospels are the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. One of the things that you'll notice is that Jesus taught in parables everywhere. He taught with stories. And we're going to look at the parable of the farmer who went out and planted seed, one kind of seed, on four different kinds of soil, and what happened when this farmer went out and planted. And the question I want you to ask yourself throughout this message, and this is the big question for today, and next week, because I'm gonna, it's going to take two weeks to do this one parable. But the question I want you to ask yourself is this. What kind of soil am I? Or for you, are you? What kind of soil are you? What's the state of your heart? Are you receptive? Are you open? Has uh, the soil of your heart been plowed up and made ready to receive? It's a really important question. In fact, I, I would say that when it comes to the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and when it comes to scripture, and when it comes to God speaking to us, it's the most important thing there is. The state of our heart and our receptivity is above everything else, right? Well, obviously God is above everything else, but it's so important that we be open to what God wants to say to us. Amen? So first of all, what's a parable? What is a parable? Parables, and this is according to Constable's Notes, Parables are illustrations that teach truth by comparison. So a parable is when you take two truths, and the, the Greek word literally means to throw something alongside. So it's like, you know, you have this over here, and you throw a story alongside of it to illustrate the reality of it. That's what a parable is. It's often been said that a popular definition is that a parable is an earthly story with heavenly meaning. The use of parables for teaching was a comic, excuse me, common rabbinic device that Jesus adopted and used with great skill. So the rabbis of that time taught in parables, 
and Jesus adopted that form of teaching because teaching with stories is very effective, right? How many of you like a good storyteller? So here's my definition if you're, a, again, a note taker. A parable is a story that is used to reveal an underlying truth or principle. It can, be, it can often be like a spiritual time bomb in that it will lodge within a person and slowly begin to reveal its truth. Often the person will have an aha moment and then see themselves, God, and His kingdom in a new way. The beautiful things about parables is that they are subversive. They go in, and to those who are hungry to learn, those who are hungry to understand, they lodge inside of us, and we, we must dig deeper. We, we've got to uncover more to understand what we've just heard. And you really know the state of your heart when you hear a story, especially a story with an underlying spiritual truth, and you have to go deeper. You want to understand more. That shows that there's a hunger and a desire inside of you. If you hear a story and you just kind of pass it by, that is cause for concern. You're not digging deeper. You're not asking questions. And that's really important in the Christian life. So why do we teach? Why do we speak on parables? Why did Jesus teach using parables? The ESV study Bible says this, Jesus teaches in parables both as a judgment, listen carefully, as a judgment against those that are outside the kingdom and a means of instruction for those inside his newly formed messianic community of faith. To the hard-hearted, parables are a warning. To those who are open-hearted, parables illustrate principles of the messianic rule of God. So today, as I get into this message, I have a basic outline that we're going to follow, and we're going to get through two of the three points in this outline, and next week I'm going to finish it, because as I began to dig into this parable and study it and get ready to preach it, I understood something right away. There's no way I'm ever going to get to everything on one Sunday. And of course, you know why that is, right? So, so we're going to look at these three main points today. First of all, Jesus tells us the parable to teach us about His kingdom. Secondly, he tells us the reason he speaks in parables. And next week, thirdly, he interprets the parables. So this is what we're going to do today. We're going to actually, I'm going to illustrate the concept of parables by the way that I preach and teach in these next two weeks in that I'm not going to give you the answer today. I'm not going to interpret. I'm not going to let Jesus interpret for us the meaning of this parable. I'm just going to teach the parable why Jesus said parables were important, drop it with you, and then you're going to have to go out and wrestle with it. Now, for many of you, I'm going to say this right off the bat. How many, how many of you have been Christians for more than five years? Most of you in the room, okay? So you've probably heard this parable taught on before. Maybe multiple times. If you've been a Christian in the church for, you know, decades, you're like, oh, great, another message on the parable of the sower, right? But here's my challenge to us. The very point of the message today is, is your heart in an open state to where you can even hear something that's old news and God can speak to you in it? He can do what he wants to do, right? So here's the first point. Jesus tells us this parable to teach us about his kingdom. Okay, Mark chapter 4, uh, this particular story is in three of the four Gospels. We're going to look at Mark's version. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 9 in the New Living Translation. Look at it with me. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. 
A very large crowd soon gathered around him so that he got into a boat. I like, I like that word picture, right? He got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seed fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Let's break this down. I want you to notice, first of all, that Jesus starts with these words as he tells the parable. The word listen. Listen. Hear. I have something very important to say. Listen up. And that Greek word means to pay attention carefully to what is being said, to listen, to understand, not just hear the sounds of the words, but to listen, to understand. How many of you recognize that listening is an incredible gift for somebody to give to you? We live in a culture right now where a lot of people are talking all the time. We live in the information age. We're being overwhelmed with the amount of information out there, right? On the internet, on television, everywhere you look, social media, information is coming constantly. If you get caught up in looking at reels or you get caught up in looking at different videos on YouTube, one right after the other can take you into a, a deep, deep well. You can go as far and as deep as you want to go into some really wacky stuff, into some really cool stuff, but we are in a time when we are inundated continually with information. And what we see culturally is that a lot of people like to talk, but few like to listen. But when Jesus says, listen here, he's not just saying, you know, take notice that some sounds are coming out of somebody's lips and being formed into what we call words, but he's saying, listen to understand. What is the point? Are you paying attention? I used to think when I was a young pastor that the main job I had was the job of talking a lot of people jokingly think, you know, they're like, wow, that's a, my aunt said this to me not long ago, like, that's a cushy job, right? You go one day a week and you speak and then, then what do you do? She really didn't know. And I was like, oh, there's a little bit more to it than that, you know, it takes me maybe 15, 20 minutes to prepare the message and then I speak. But there's a lot more to it. But I thought when I was a young pastor that the real goal was having the right things to say. So I studied the Bible and I looked at what are known as apologetics to be able to argue for my points and to overcome people's objections. And I really wanted to understand when I, I was with somebody that faced a crisis, maybe the loss of a loved one or a marriage crisis, or they're having a problem with a teenager, a young person, a child, or they're having issues in their marriage. I thought 
that what I needed was more information. I thought that I needed to be persuasive and be able to talk well, be able to argue well, and that it was all about talking. And I found out really soon that a lot more of it was about listening. I began to understand that I don't have to fill up the space with words, that what people really want is somebody to listen to them, right? And not just listen so that they can answer, not just listen ahead all the time so that I have something to refute your point, but to listen to understand. Even if I'm talking to somebody that I don't agree with, that I feel they're wrong, if I'm listening with like, just pause, I dare you. Just take a breath. Take a breath. Ah, oh, gotcha. Right? And that's the way many of us listen. And it's really sad, especially if you're married to someone, right? Because how in the world can that person really feel loved unless they've felt heard? Man, I started learning as a pastor. Wow, one of the greatest things I can do is listen to people. And sometimes people don't want to know my opinion or what I have to say. They just want to know I care. Right? Isn't that true in every relationship? So Jesus starts, the greatest preacher, the greatest teacher, the greatest communicator, orator in all of human history, the most profound communicator that ever lived starts by saying to people, listen. And it's a common refrain throughout Bible, the Bible. When you go back into the Bible and you go through Genesis all the way through the Old Testament, the last book of Malachi, and then into the New Testament, all the way to the Revelation, you see over and over again, God pleading with His people, please listen to me. Please listen to me. Shut up and listen. Please listen. And I was telling you not long ago, as I was reading through the Bible, I came to a section in Scripture where every story was heartbreakingly sad as God's people turned from Him, as He pled with them through prophets, as He tried to get their attention, as He made promises to them, if you'll repent and stop doing what you're doing, worshiping false gods, sacrificing your own children, and God's pleading with them over and over again. And as I read this, one day as I was reading the Bible, I became aware, I feel sad for God. I feel so sad for God. And I said that to him in prayer, like, Lord, I feel sad for you. Your people are terrible. We're unfaithful. We lie, we cheat, we sin, we break your laws. And yet so often we make God out to be the bad guy. God's good and he's kind and he's patient. And he puts with us, puts up with us continually. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I have failed him. He's right there. I love you, son. Chases me down, pursues me, pulls me up out of the pit. Right? And so we see over and over again, God's calling out to his people, listen, listen. I mean, look at it with me. Deuteronomy 6, 3 and 4. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you. This is what he says to his people as they come into, they're about to come into the promised land. And he wants them to know this is how you live now. And he says, listen closely, Israel, be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you. And you'll have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Psalm 78, one through three. Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. 
Stories we have heard and known. Stories our ancestors handed down to us. Psalm 81, 11 through 13. But no, my people wouldn't listen. Israel did not want me around. Do you, do, do you hear? Listen, sometimes we think God is like this giant mind in the sky, right? This giant kind of, you know, almost like he's, he doesn't experience feelings. He doesn't have emotion. He's just great intellect, great intelligence, great creativity. But we don't really grasp the idea that God feels. Now, we will admit we're made in His image and likeness, and He gave us emotions, but we have a hard time with the idea of a God who feels, but the Scripture makes it clear that God feels all the full gamut of what we call human emotion and probably a billion other kinds of emotions that we don't even have. And God, if you read between the lines, but no, my people wouldn't listen. Israel would not did not want me around, so I let them follow their own stubborn ideas. And let me tell you something. The greatest judgment that God can do, the greatest judgment that God can give to humanity is to leave us to ourselves. We have to understand that when God, throughout the scripture, when God says, you know what? Okay, I'm done. We think God's, you know, right? No, it's more like, okay, I know what you do to yourselves with each other when I'm not intervening, when my grace, my mercy and love isn't acting on your behalf, when I'm not working in your heart and drawing you back to me, I know what you do to each other, but you won't listen to me, you continually resist me. Okay, I'm gonna do what you want. I'm gonna give you what you want. Okay, go ahead, live your own life. And then he breaks, his heart breaks as he watches us Screw ourselves up, the people around us that we love and that love us, and our world. Wow, the greatest judgment God can give us is to let us do what we want to do. So I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. Oh, that my people would listen to me. Listen to that. Oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would follow me walking in my paths. Wow. So Jesus starts out the parable, and I know I'm taking a long time on this because this is the real point of the whole thing. But Jesus starts out the parable by saying, listen. And you're going to notice he ends the parable by saying, if you have ears, listen. So how many of you know if Jesus says something twice in the same text, maybe we should pay attention, right? Okay. Number two, the farmer a farmer went out to plant some seed. Now, we know the farmer here is Jesus. It's God throughout history, but it's also those of us who are his servants who share his word, right? A farmer, anybody who scatters that truth. So a farmer went out to plant some seed, a common occurrence among the people of Jesus' time. Why? Because he, he understood his audience. These were farmers, ranchers, fishermen, and tradesmen, right? The seed is the same on each kind of soil but the soil's different. And this is really important. The seed is good seed. This is life-giving seed. It has everything within it to reproduce multiple times over if you give it the right condition. So the seed is good. And I'm going to talk about that in a couple of minutes uh, from my own perspective as a pastor, but the seed is good. We can count on the seed. 
And in this case, we know, I don't want to get ahead of, you know, interpreting this, and many of you already know, uh, and get into next week, but we know the seed is the Word of God, right? So we know the seed is good seed. We can count on it to do what it's supposed to do. Some seed fell on the footpath and was eaten by birds. Again, something that people observed on a regular basis, right? The footpath alongside the field was walked on and driven on by people in carts. Birds would always eat the exposed seeds because they didn't penetrate the soil, right? They laid on the top of the soil. So the birds came down and ate the seed that was right there in front of them because the ground there had been trampled on, driven on, and was hard. Huh. Some seed fell in rocky soil and wilted in the sun and died because it didn't have deep roots. Many areas in that part of the world have rocky soil. I don't mean with lots of rocks like we have around here but with a rock shelf underneath the soil that made it impossible for the seed to grow with any depth. That's why the seed goes in, it starts to sprout, but because it can't go any deeper and get deep roots down into the soil so it can grow upward more and more, the sun comes out and it withers in the heat. And then some seeds fell among thorns that choked out the plants and made them fruitless. Thorny weeds, uh, you know, I walk out in a farmer's field uh, not far from here, and I go out there to, to walk and just pray and take my dog out there sometime, and I have permission from him to go out there, and, and uh, I see, you know, I see not only the amazing miracle of the growth of, of all these different things in those fields around there, whether it's corn or wheat, or I've seen potatoes grow there and onions and everything, but, but I also see the reality that there are weeds, some pretty brutal weeds that come up and choke out and make fruitless the different crops around there. And then some seed fell on fertile soil. It sprouted, it grew, and it produced a crop 30, 60, 100 times as much as was planted. And, and Jesus is really making a point here because in that culture, typically your yields were anytime from 5 to 15. A 15-time yield was a really good yield, 5 to 15 times as much. Jesus says in this case, 30, 60, 100 times as much was, you know, was created. I'm always amazed when I go out to this farmer's field I go to and I, like, like before... I went on sabbatical, I went out there and I would walk and, and you know, things were just beginning to be planted and just beginning to grow. And then I went away for three months and I came back, and I, or actually it was two and a half months, and I went out and walked out there again and here were all these corn stalks everywhere, right? And they just, little seeds became corn everywhere. It's amazing, it's miraculous. And that's what God wants to do in us is make us fruitful like that, amen? amen. But I want you to notice something. Only one in four of those soils produced fruit. One in four. I want you to think about this. As a pastor, I remember, as again, as a younger pastor, I would often get discouraged because I would get up here and I'd pour out my heart and I'd preach and I'd study really hard and or I'd sit with people in council and I'd really try to be prepared. I'd take my, my calling very seriously. And so I'm digging in and I'm thinking, you know, I just got to preach this word and I know it'll change lives. And I get in with people or I come up here and I preach and I, I just watch like week after week. It feels like it's not working. I begin to think, maybe we got the wrong guy. Maybe there's something wrong with the delivery system. You know, 
What's, what's going on here, Lord? You watch people that you invest hours, days, weeks, months, years with, and then they just like act like they never even knew Jesus. Right? And if you're not careful, you can forget the ones that are quietly over here growing. Right? And I, I started to think, maybe I'm not very good at it. If I preached better, if I taught better, if I was better at my craft, my calling, maybe I'd get better results. And I started to understand, whoa, 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 Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the greatest preacher and teacher ever, the wisest, most intelligent person that's ever lived. Yes, Jesus was smarter than Einstein. A lot of us don't think that way. Right? This Jesus, who I'm talking about, he could only be effective in one out of four soils. I want you to think about that. So the problem wasn't the delivery system, and the problem wasn't even the power of the seed. The problem was the hearts, or I'm sorry, the soils that received it. And you know, I know that that truth is here, and some of you, this might insult you, but I know today there are going to be people that sit in this room that this, this word's going to go in and it's going to start to work and you're going to inquire more deeply and you're going to ask questions and you're going to pray over it and you're going to ask God to do something inside of you and it's going to begin to bear fruit in you and there's going to be others that walk out the door and no sooner than you walk out those doors, a bird of the air is going to swoop down and steal it and it's going to be gone or something else. That is the reality. That's just the human condition. Still love me? So then at the end of that, what does Jesus say? Anyone with ears, listen and understand. Listen. I don't know if you know this, but um, many years ago, uh, you could download ringtones on your phone. (laughs) And years ago, there was a particular ringtone called the mosquito ringtone. And this was used mostly by younger people when they were wanting to communicate back and forth with their friends and they didn't want their parents to know that somebody was texting them or calling them because the tone in the ringtone was at such a high frequency that anybody under 25 years of age could not hear it. Do you all know about that? Yeah, it's real. I do now, yeah. Why? Because there are little hairs in there that capture sound. And by the age of 25, they're worn down so much, they can't hear certain frequencies. The older you get, the the less especially you're able to hear high frequencies, right? And so it's possible even for us, spiritually speaking, to get to a point to where we've become so dull of hearing that God is speaking, but we're not listening. That's why Jesus once again says, listen! Hey, if you've got ears, listen, I'm talking. Amen? Amen. Now we're going to go to the second point. Jesus tells us the reason he speaks in parables. Now this message is a little confrontational today. And I think that was the intention of Jesus. He's wanting us to consider where are we at. But now we're going to look at what he said about why he spoke in parables. And we're going to look at both what Mark says in Mark 4, 10 through 12, but also we're going to go over to the Gospel of Matthew because he gives a deeper explanation in Matthew. He's telling the same story, but he gives a deeper explanation as to why he uses parables. Look at verse 10 of Mark. 
Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples, I love this, he's with his friends, and with the others who gathered around, oh, some others kind of came into the circle. They asked him what the parables meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. But I use parables for everything I say to outsiders, ooh, so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. That sounds harsh. That sounds almost like he's meaning to leave people out. Well, let's get a little more in depth here in Matthew's gospel, 13th chapter, 10th verse. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He, he replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. This is why I use these parables, for they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah, which was, by the way, 700 years before Jesus is speaking. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah. I lost my spot, blah, blah, blah. That says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see in your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. So why did Jesus use parables when he spoke? Number one, he spoke in parables to reveal truth to the humble, open, and teachable. Jesus loves us, and He pursues us. Amen? Are you still with me? Okay, I just want to be sure. He wants people who will respond in love, in hunger, and a desire for Him in return. He's revealing the secrets of the kingdom of heaven to the disciples and those who will listen carefully. The kingdom of heaven that he's speaking of is that realm, that atmosphere, that arena, that environment where God is in charge. And he's saying, if you want to live in the realm that I'm in charge, you have to learn to listen well. Ooh, think about that. Right? Jesus is calling people to join him in this realm where he's in charge. We've got to be willing to listen to him and receive what he says. Only a humble, open, and teachable heart and mind will listen and receive. And this is big. This is big, right? How many of us in this room really enjoy admitting we don't know everything about everything? How many of us, when people talk about something, even maybe if we know a little bit about it, will in the background go, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I know, I, I know, I understand. Why is it so hard for us to just go, you know, you're right. No, I really don't know anything about that or very little about it. Wait, help me understand more. What is it about needing to present ourselves as being knowledgeable? What is it, what, what, what is it about our proud, hard hearts that has to impress? Why can't we just shut up and listen and ask questions and 
be like, you know, I'm not an expert in that field. It's like there's some of you in this room, the field that you work in, what you do, you know, Ray, I mean, like, I don't know practically anything about what you do. It would be foolish of me to act like I know something. I'd probably get myself and others killed, right? Because you're dealing with some dangerous stuff. There's some more of you in this room. You have these areas where you are an expert. And if I'm sitting down talking with you, I'm not going to act like I know something. If I, if, if, well, unless I'm proud and got to impress. It'd be just better for me to shut up and listen. Right? And I, I find this all the time. I'll talk to people who barely have walked with Christ for months. And they're telling me how it is. I'm like, this is what I've given my life to. I've probably, and this is not a boast, but I've probably forgotten more about the Bible than you've learned, right? You walk with people and you begin to understand, like, what is it about us that's so proud we can't listen and receive? So Jesus is saying, listen, listen, and, and I speak in parables so that the humble, the teachable, and the open can hear what I have to say. But then he also spoke in parables to conceal. The first is to reveal. The second is to conceal truth from the proud, the closed, and the unteachable. People whose hearts are proud, hardened, closed, dull, and unteachable will not be able to understand or receive what Jesus is saying. They'll not be able to see or enter into God's kingdom rule and reign. They don't don't really want or love God in response to His love. You know, we want to believe that everybody just, you know, everybody just wants God. And the truth is we don't. The truth is we don't all want God, right? And so Jesus sometimes conceals things to reveal our heart. And my last point, Jesus spoke in parables to turn the teachable to God and the unteachable away from Him. Wait, what? Jesus is turning people away from Him? Well, he's letting them turn away on their own. He's giving them what they want. Jesus often said things to offend the mind to reveal the heart. Think about that statement. Jesus often said things to offend the mind to reveal the heart. You ever noticed when he's dealing with the religious people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees? You know why they're called Sadducees, don't you? Because they reject the resurrection and they're sad, you see. I couldn't help myself. Dad joke 101 right there. Bam. Okay. Okay, but what did Jesus seem to do with them all the time? Poke the bear. Say stuff that would just boom. You know, heal somebody on the Sabbath, and they saw that as a violation of the Sabbath. Think about this. You want me to tell you how you know you have a hard heart? When you're so hung up, on the letter of something and doing it exactly just right that you don't see that somebody who is blind or lame or had leprosy has been healed right in front of you? Your heart is so hard that you're angry that Jesus would do that? And he did that stuff all the time. And then he turns to him and he says, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. What's his point? It was to restore people, 
That day of rest was so people could be restored. I'm restoring a human being. Don't you understand? This was made to be a benefit and a blessing to you, not just so you would obey its heavy weight. Right, so we see this kind of a thing with Jesus all the time where he pokes his finger in this dead, hard religion in order to reveal how bankrupt it is, how dead it is, how meaningless it is. You know, most of us see ourselves often, uh, excuse me, most of us see ourselves as open people until someone challenges our thinking or tries to teach us something. Just think about it. Jesus came to a generation who had been studying the coming of the Messiah for 2,000 years. Their scholars knew the Bible inside and out. They knew the city he would come to. They knew what his life would be like. They knew all of it. They had it figured out. They even had their quote-unquote charts of the coming of the Lord. And then Jesus walked in to their lives. The Messiah, the Son of God, God in the flesh, came among them and they missed him. But not only did they miss him, they killed him. I should say we killed him. How could that be? Because their hearts were hard and they weren't open to God. Right? But the ones that were forgotten and on the margins of society, the broken, the sinners, the unknown, Galilean fishermen. I mean, think about the people that, Joseph, that Jesus chose. Get my, think about the people that Jesus chose. They weren't scholars. Paul was. So there's always some representation of, of every strata of society. But I mean, he chose people who were just like, help! So listen, if you're here today and you find that your response to so much that's going on in your life right now is, help God. If you find that, this is what I find, and I'm not saying this to try to sound humble, but here's the reality. The longer I live, the more I know the Bible, the more I pray, the more I walk with people, the more I feel like I don't know anything. Like, I mean, I, there's some things I know I'm deeply rooted in. Jesus it's the power of Scripture, the gospel, salvation, God's love for me, things like that. Yeah, those, those very deeply rudimentary, right down into the very foundation of all that is, those things I know. But a lot of the other stuff that everybody's fighting about, I'm not sure. I don't know. That's too much for me. He's too smart, too wise, too great. Right? And that's what he wants. He wants in us a heart that just says, Lord, here I am. I need you. I want to know you. Amen. So, are you listening? Listen. Listen. He's speaking. He's broadcasting the seed of Scripture today and every day, are we listening? 